are we recording? <laughs> I'm just over here chilling. Yes. Um, let the record show that Kelly has created a new metaphor for her life completely by accident. <laughs> so I accidentally made a fetish video and posted it on the internet. As we've mentioned before, I have recently started making latex clothing. It's been a really interesting journey, but I finally made a few, well, I finally made a couple of successful pieces. So I just put um, videos of me online, like headless videos from the neck down of me modeling them. And one of them has gone viral in the latex fetish community. So <laughs> you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> I love the accidental nature of this. You were genuinely just like, look at this thing I made. And people are like, spank, 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 spank. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a video of me um, wearing a latex skirt and gently twirling to show the shininess. But there you go. People are into everything. It's true. There's, there's a market for everybody. <laughs> but yeah, so the new metaphor for my life is I accidentally made a fetish video. <laughs> And for the record, it is really mesmerizing to watch <laughs> because she just sways and the shine moves and she sways and the shine moves. Yeah, I was pretty happy with it. It was pretty entertaining. <laughs> I haven't made anything interesting in a while, although my niece is getting into, um, I got into embroidery, remember? Oh yeah, you brought embroidery stuff and we haven't worked on it. I did. My niece Eliza got into it. Oh, cute. I know. She's going to learn all the new stitches. And my mom was, she has a particular project she wants to do. And my mom was like, you need to teach her these three stitches. That's all she's going to need. And I was like, okay, but I've already forgotten what they were. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I know. So I'm going to have to text her. If you don't tell me things in a way that I'm able to write it down at that moment, you are wasting your time. Yeah, I don't think I would remember that either three different stitches. That's a lot of info. That's yeah. three things. Yeah, exactly. And it was like a random moment at a birthday party. I'm not going to retain that. <laughs> Good point. I'm really excited about that. I thought, you know what? I think, did I pick the last two topics? I I picked education. You did. Okay. I was really excited about education too. I was like, am I just being a narcissist? <laughs> like really excited about the topics I picked? Yeah. But not the case. Welcome back to Southern Hills. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kelly. And we're a weekly hangout podcast where Kelly and I talk about and research things relevant to life in the South and other stuff. Just pretty much whatever we feel like talking about for the week. Yeah, it's true. Uh, topics tend to be centered around the South, but we also talk a lot about being millennial women and issues relevant to Southern women and... I'm ending the sentence now. <laughs> you know, actually a running theme for us, not in a holy pinko way, but labor rights has been... Yeah, I've picked up on that too. We're big on the working man. It's Even true. if the working man works in a lab. <laughs> Kelly. Hey, I work hard in my lab. I know, exactly. She's a hard working man. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Yeah. That's basically what we're about. You can subscribe to us pretty much anywhere except for Spotify. God balls. Yeah, we've probably said that the past like four episodes. We are slacker ass bitches. <laughs> 
So if you've been listening to us for the last few weeks, you know that Rachel is expecting and she has been doing an amazing job of researching everything you could ever want to know about pregnancy and raising a human. And so this this week's topic kind of stemmed from her research. Yeah, it did. And to be completely honest, it was it was inspired by my research, but it was also inspired by this podcast that I was listening to in it. I'm not going to name the podcast, but this person was ranting about how much they don't like kids or parents. And they were and that that's like a running theme that I've noticed in a lot of podcasts that I listen to. It just seems really in vogue to not have kids. And I don't like evangelists of anything. I don't like people who are like, your life doesn't have meaning until you have kids. I think it's important to just be supportive of however anyone wants to live. So today we are talking about millennial attitudes toward parenting. Yeah. I know that's weird, but... And just as a preface, I was going to include some information on the child-free movement amongst millennials, but I think we're going to do a full episode on that in the relatively near future. So today we're strictly focusing on millennial parents or perennials. Perennials. (laughs) It's a good word. It is. I had never heard that word until you were reading the article that they used it in. I was like, I like that. It makes me think of flowers. (laughs) Ooh, it does. So yeah, millennials get a lot of flack for being entitled, selfish, unmotivated, etc, etc, etc. But it turns out that millennials are really awesome parents. And we're going to get into some statistics and some reasons why that may be. And we're probably going to bitch about baby boomers a lot. Yep, get ready. (laughs) It's not that we don't love our parents. It's that we don't love... People who act like they know everything. Yeah. In general. Jesus. So to reiterate, I really don't like evangelists of anything because seriously, look around you. There's all kinds of shitty stuff going on all over. So there is clearly no expert driving the global ship. There's just not. But it seems like parenting just isn't stylish anymore. Or it's more fashionable to expose being child-free than it is to be like, yeah, I'm happily a parent. And obviously I'm just pregnant and I don't care what anyone else chooses to do with their life. I really don't. If you're happy waking up at noon, that's fine. But I think it's the same kind of thing where kind of in the same vein of I don't like when women are like, I'm so smart because I'm different and doing things different than look at this girl doing this other thing. I'm better than her. And I I just don't like that. It seriously doesn't matter. There are people who like one thing and there are people who like another thing. But the sense of superiority people who don't have kids seem to... Well, not let me rephrase that. It's not everybody. But in the podcast that I've been listening to recently, I'm like, I don't give a shit that you're so excited to not have kids any more than I expect you to give a shit that I'm excited to be a parent. I really don't. I can see how that's annoying. But we were talking about this yesterday. At the same time, um, we'll get into this later, but I think this is the first generation where choosing to not be a parent is considered okay. And so, totally normally. Yeah. So I think that a lot of millennials, it, I call it the new atheist syndrome. They're really in your face about their choice to not have kids. And yeah, it, it is obnoxious, but at the same time, I can see where it stems from. Yeah, it is pretty reactionary to literally, I see it all the time. My life didn't have meaning until I had kids. I never knew love until I had kids. 
Yeah, I, I, it's always from fucking old people. I'm just going to say, I get this third degree when they find out I'm a 30 plus year old woman with no children and no um, immediate desire to have children. I get the third degree. And it's really, I think it's incredibly sexist and it's really fucking frustrating. And yeah, I kind of want to scream in their face, I don't want kids, but that would be obnoxious. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing that gets me is women can't win on any front. Like if you're going to have kids, someone's going to be like, well, why are you supplementing with formula? You should only do breastfeeding. Yeah, it's true. Why are you breastfeeding in public? Why are your kids up past 9 p.m.? Like you're never going to win. Yeah. In general, I would hope that society would learn to get off of women's balls, as it were. Yeah, that is rude. Yeah. But one of the things that um, I learned from my reading, I hear a lot of particularly alt-right groups whining about how millennials are just bucking all the traditional values and they're not into having kids and they're waiting forever to have kids. And if you wait forever, it's going to be harder to have kids. Fun fact, no, it's not. Um, there was the research that people tout that says your fertility is limited to this, whatever it was, was based on 15th century French data. If I'm... Oh my God. Yep. It was birth records because they had all of these birth records and... We were also dying of dysentery. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. There were any number of reasons that people were, you know, not having kids past a certain point. Maybe they weren't sleeping with their partner because they smelled like cows now. Yeah. They were all fucking dead. (laughs) Exactly. like yeah they also had a life expectancy of 36 or whatever not i don't know i don't know anything that feels right (laughs) yeah but it was in this book i want to say it was 15th century france but i could be wrong maybe it was 17th century or something but you know that's still pretty outdated exactly old enough to where i was like are you fucking kidding me right now (laughs) yeah and the book was expecting better by emily oster she talked about a ton of stuff that you wouldn't even think about like It's commonly touted that women should have fewer than 200 milligrams of caffeine a day when they're pregnant because caffeine is, it breaks the placental barrier. So Hmm. it's going to get to your baby, but they don't know how harmful it is. And I try to stay under 200 mils, but the data basically says you're more likely to miscarry if you have a lot of caffeine. And that could be related to your blood pressure or any number of things, but there's not a whole lot of stuff. So anyway, that's the stuff that she talks about. And... Americans don't drink at all while they're pregnant, myself included, because I'm an American. But in Europe, women still drink casually, and they don't see any increase in birth defects. Yeah, I have read that too. I have read that um, having a glass of wine a day is not bad for the baby. In fact, a lot of people agree it's good for you, but we still just don't do it because of the stigma. Like, you're a pregnant woman and you're drinking alcohol? Exactly. And it was so funny when Kelly and I were taking our promo pictures not that long ago. We took them with a whiskey bottle because that's like, whiskey and Coke is our podcast thing. And eventually we realized that Kelly is the whiskey to my Coke. (laughs) But here's the thing. If you, if I were to have one whiskey and Coke, it would not hurt the baby, but I don't do it. And I didn't even want pictures of me holding the whiskey bottle because I was like, I don't want to fucking hear about it. I just don't. Yeah. Better safe than sorry. So I held the whiskey bottle. (laughs) It's true. I think I'm holding it in one picture and I look like, God damn it. (laughs) Yeah, but you're, you're holding it, but you're not drinking out of it. True. It's so stupid because in the back of my mind, I'm like, I know better based on scientific data 
that this is bullshit and I just can't. I can't move past the stigma. But it is, it is a serious social stigma. And even just browsing Reddit, I've seen bartenders bragging about how they refuse to serve a pregnant woman. And I'm just like, okay, if she's, you know, slurring and inebriated, that's fine. But one drink, that's, yeah. that's public shaming. I'm not comfortable with it. But no one cares what I think. <laughs> this is the no one cares what we think, but we're going to tell you anyway podcast. <laughs> Welcome back. (laughs) Anyway, the book is Expecting Better by Emily Oster. And the reason I'm bringing it up is I think some of the things that people complain about when it comes to pregnancy is all the stuff you have to give up and all of the hardships that happen to your body, which I just don't care about. I've never been like a body image person. Like I've never had body image issues to begin with. So I'm like, I don't give a shit if I have stretch marks. Why would Mm. I care? But yeah. Right-wing groups are harping on why it is that millennials won't be traditional and won't have kids. And they say things like that, like, oh, well, they don't want to stop drinking and they don't want to stop partying and they're so worried about their bodies. But that's just not the whole picture. Right. And at the same time, that is, to me, those are valid reasons. It's my life. You know, if I don't want to change my lifestyle, which it is a complete difference in lifestyle, if you are a parent versus if you are not. And yeah, if I didn't want to have a child for cosmetic reasons, those are perfectly fucking valid. Yeah. It's none of your business, old man. Exactly. And if you're like, I think this is what I go back to. If you aren't confident in the decisions that you're making, you might look at someone else making a different decision and think, oh, well, that's an affront to my choice. Yes. I have noticed that. Here we go with the baby boomeranting so early. (laughs) But they tend to see people choosing different paths as a personal insult. I don't get it. I feel attacked. Yes. Meanwhile, they're calling us snowflakes for being... Right. Whatever. Yeah, who needs a safe space now, bitch? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, take that. It, It really bothers me because I am comfortable with the choices I am making. I have made them for myself. And if... Like for Kelly. Kelly's like... I don't know if I want kids. I don't really care right now. I'm like, cool, whatever. (laughs) See you Thursday, bitch. I don't care. And at the same time, about a lot of things. (laughs) True. (laughs) But it's funny because, like, if tomorrow you were like, yeah, I think I'm gonna have a kid, and you were, what if you were gonna go to the sperm bank? I'd be like, cool, let's hang out, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And when Rachel was like, I've decided I'm ready to become a mother. I wasn't like, don't do it. You're gonna ruin our friendship. Kelly was like, I'm going to get real used to seeing your boobs. (laughs) And I have. (laughs) They've gotten bigger. Speaking of funny things and my boobs and too much information, do you know what Raynaud's syndrome is? Well, it's a nerve disorder where whenever something gets cold, it pulls the blood away from it. I developed that in one of my titties. Oh... Okay, again, I'm not a body image person because I think that shit is hilarious. One of my titties just turns white when it gets cold now. Wow. (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to just show our listeners, but for the record, it is hilarious. That sounds fascinating. It hurts like a mother bitch. Ah. But it was funny because whenever I like went to the doctor for it, the doctor was like, yeah, just keep them warm. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Doc. So why does it turn white? Do the capillaries just constrict or what the hell? I don't know because I'm still laughing about it. I didn't Google it. (laughs) I was just like, well, I guess I have a white titty now. I don't know. 
But I was thinking about like, what am I going to do this winter? Am I going to start shoving hot hands in my bra? That would probably feel awesome. We should probably all embrace Raynaud's or not. <laughs> and I had only known people to get it in your in their hands because people at back when I worked at the grocery store, you would pe- see people who, who just had like full on white fingers in the produce section. And I was Weird. like, what the fuck? Oh, I can make you a latex bra. It gets sweaty in those. Sweet. <laughs> Kelly's going to make me practical fetish wear. <laughs> Ooh. I like it. You're going to have to give me the breastfeeding clippies for Dude, popping them out. That is a million dollar idea. <laughs> Did your pregnancy cause you to have Raynaud's of the titty? <laughs> Let us know. Something else at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that aside. <laughs> I don't even remember what we were even talking about. Oh, we were talking about reasons millennials were waiting so long and why traditionalists tend to think that we're just assholes and that's why we're waiting. Right. They tend to think that the reason for everything bad happening is because we're assholes. Like, Applebee's is dying because we're assholes, not because (laughs) Applebee's sucks. Is microwave garbage food. Yeah. The diamond industry is suffering because diamonds suck. The the answer to all of these issues is because whatever that is that is failing sucks. (laughs) Exactly. I think all that crap really bothers me because... No one ever wants to look at why people were buying those things in the first place. Like, I don't, again, I don't care about what's important to you. I care about what's important to me and I support what's important to you. If Kelly was like, hey, I'm going full Mr. T and I'm wearing 50 gold chains, I would be like, sweet, that's awesome. I'm happy for you. I'm not just going to do it just because someone else does. True. That being said, I could never support the choice to eat Applebee's. Kelly, I'm taking you the next time I take you out on a Kelly a K-Ray date. We're going to the Applebee's. I haven't been to one since I was like 11 years old. I am kind of curious. Colin and I went out of curiosity, not that. Well, it was like sometime maybe a couple of years ago. We were just like, we got to go. It was fucking awful. Yeah, I spied the one in Times Square when I was there and I thought, really? Oh my God. How does that? Okay. My friend... We were, we went to, Colin and I went to Atlanta and we were just looking for a quick bite. This has nothing to do with parenting. Whatever. We're off the rails here. (laughs) We were just looking for a quick bite and there was a taco mac there. There's a taco mac here in town. It's a chain. Usually when you go to a city you don't live in, you try to eat something that you can't get, you know, back home. Yeah. But I really had to pee. I had to pee so bad and I was so hungry that we were both just like, get in the taco mac. So we sat there and we were waiting for, and it took too long. And then we were like, okay, fuck it. I'm not waiting forever for Taco Mac in Atlanta. And I already peed. So, but anyway, I was joking with one of my friends about it. And he sent me this meme that said, um, oh, weird. This Bloomin' Onion in this new city tastes exactly like the Bloomin' Onion back home. (laughs) I get that. I really do. But I have to say, I... I dated a foodie for many years, and it definitely had its perks, but one of the biggest downsides is when you're traveling, and the restaurant that they have to go to is 45 minutes out of the way because you're in a crowded city, so it's like you're driving hours and hours every day just to go to all these must-eat restaurants, and I have literally yelled in frustration, sometimes it's okay to eat Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) Because it is. (laughs) One of the things that traditionalists were harping on is millennials take so much longer to have kids one of the things that 
we read about, um, here in Chattanooga, daycare ranges from $620 for the cheapest place that I found in town, and I don't know how comfortable I am with that. We'll see. Mm-hmm. To $1,000 a month. And 1000 was pretty much the standard range, somewhere between 1000 and 1500 on the upper end. That was, like, standard pricing. Hmm. So seeing something that's almost half that price, I'm like, are you feeding them dog food for their snack? <laughs> like, what, what corner are you cutting? But anyway, um, I'm not going to talk about how much money we make because it's none of your damn business. But m- most millennials have a median household income of $40,000, $40,581. And I did the math for after taxes and everything, and I even did the graduated brackets. Um that comes out to about 2800 bucks a month. And if you think about 2800 bucks a month, you know, and then $1000 for daycare, that's almost a third of your wage. Yeah, and that's not even factoring in rent. Yeah, exactly, or transportation. Yeah, child feeding care, your baby. Right. Childcare is really unaffordable. That's actually a huge problem um and wages have remained stagnant. Yeah. If you want people to have kids and we're in a place where both parents need to be work need to be working because of wage stagnation being what it is, you have to support that. Right. And as we mentioned with our education episode, if if we as a country, traditionalists included, are saying we want more children to be born and we want more American families. Well, throw some money at daycare. That's yeah, this isn't 1950 anymore. A single, well, in the majority of cases, a single working parent cannot support a family of four. That's right. Especially in the South, when you look at a lot of people here, consider $15 an hour, roughly. That's a good job. Yeah. And that puts you roughly at $30,000 a year. So if you have two parents making about $30,000 a year, they're still only going to come in around fifty. There's that's still going to be almost a third of their their monthly income. Mm-hmm. I see this a lot too, just in reading online and yeah, hearing people's stories. But this happens all the time. A couple gets pregnant, and then one partner, usually the mother, they will do the math and they'll think, well, if our child goes to daycare, I'm just going to be spending all of my income paying for daycare, so I'm just going to stay home. So, because what's the point of working if it all goes to childcare? And I think it's really frustrating because I, like, I think of it as, okay, let's say you have five years before they go to school that you'd have to pay for daycare. That's an investment in your career. Absolutely. Because, like, the alternative is that usually women are leaving the workforce for five years and then trying to re-enter the workforce with no experience in the meantime. So yeah, they end up getting paid less if they can find work at all. And I, yeah, I really, I think it's really depressing. It is. It shouldn't, that shouldn't be the best option. I agree. If you want to stay at home again, our big thing is we support whatever your choice is, but it's not really a choice if it's basically the only viable option or the most viable option. Yeah. So that childcare shouldn't be the difference between I can or can't go to school. I can or can't go to work. Yeah, I agree. And another thing, most of the daycares here in town have a one-year wait list. So if you don't know that, which I didn't know that, 
I'm fortunate enough to know other parents with kids in daycare. And they were like, hey, you need to, as soon as you know your due date, you need to try, go ahead and get on wait lists. Otherwise, you're going to be screwed. If I didn't just know that or know people, there would come a time when my FMLA was up and I would have to have a daycare then. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess to summarize... The cost and preparation necessary for childcare is a huge hurdle between millennials and child rearing. And that's why they're waiting so long. We're hoping like, okay, maybe tomorrow I can afford a kid. Right. Yeah. The reasons millennials aren't having children as frequently or as soon as previous generations, it's because we're all in debt. Childcare is too expensive. Wages have become stagnant. Um, We don't really buy houses anymore like our parents did there's a whole laundry list of reasons why yeah and those are completely practical and reasonable reasons right because the same people saying why aren't millennials having more babies are the people who would uh, not want to pay for your food stamps or your child care or your baby's health care yeah absolutely fuck off yeah quit telling us what to do and no I think that's what bothered me so much in doing research about this. I watched a bunch of YouTube videos from right-wingers just to see what the logic was. And it basically was millennials are just selfish. They're not having kids because they're too self-centered to. Millennials don't value traditional values. They don't value the family unit. And there's something to the millennials not valuing the traditional family unit, but I think that's for the better. Exactly. I was like, yeah, and traditional does not equal good. Booyah. Exactly. Especially when you look at how many of our parents got married because someone was pregnant and then later got divorced. Yes. That was one of the huge causal factors of the housing crisis. Families were buying big houses because they were married and then they would get divorced and suddenly they couldn't afford the house on a single income anymore. And then they were just foreclosing on it. I knew more than a couple of people who that happened to. Yeah, and it's funny because another thing that baby boomers love to hate on millennials for is our obsession with social media. You know, it's all about what we're putting on our Instagram and how many followers we have. And yes, that's true. Science shows that we are fucking obsessed with social media. However, carefully curated social media presence today is the well-manicured lawn of previous generations. So... As we have said before, millennials are less concerned with stuff. We're less concerned with having the nicest house or the most things. We're more concerned with having cool experiences to show off on the internet. That's the reality. But which one of those is more fiscally responsible? I mean, really. That's a really good point. Especially when you look at how far in debt we are. If we're actually, unlike the people who ruin the housing market, (laughs) if we're actually being responsible and repaying our debt, which so far that bubble hasn't bust. We'll see what happens in the future. But anyway, the student loan bubble will bust. I think it will. And I'm sorry about it, but you know, we were told you have to go to college. Money's not an issue. Go to the best school you can possibly go to. And we did that. And then when we fucking graduated in 2008, we entered the job market during a recession So this is the effect of that. This has nothing to do with anything. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, but that's... I mean, student loan debt is another contributing factor to why so many millennials aren't having kids. Yeah. Which is really sad. Yeah. I mean, 
I completely support you only get one life. So whatever life experience is important to you, for me, I didn't want kids for most of my 20s. And then I dated a certain person. And ironically, in dating that person, I realized, hey, I, I would love to be a mom. That sounds like a lot of fun. But I don't think I want to be a mom with you. <laughs> so it's just, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, but I know where I was going. It's really frustrating to think that these hurdles are preventing people from having the life experiences with the one life they are given that should be a totally natural thing for them to have if they want it. They should be able to make it happen, but there are so many hurdles that they can't. Yeah. Or maybe they have to wait longer than they wanted to. Yeah. Well, I... Ooh, maybe that will be a good segue into this study I read. Mm. Because, yes, millennials are waiting longer. But that has some really nice side effects. So I read this article. It's called Millennials Maybe History's Most Competent Parents. Here's why. It was written by Anne K. Housel. My handwriting's terrible. But it was written by someone from Winnie.com. And Winnie is a companion app for modern parents. Anyway, they did some research on millennial parents because that's the target demographic for their app. And they found some really cool findings. So I did not know this, but baby boomers were the first generation with readily available birth control. So they were really the first generation who planned their families and the first generation that generally had the means to support their families. Hmm. So that trend has continued through into the millennial generation. However, a difference is that because of improved fertility treatments, millennials are able to defer parenthood for longer and as a result of that, we're not just waiting until we decide we want kids. We're actually waiting until we feel ready for kids. So now, as you just said, millennial parents are older than parents have ever been historically. And um, they are further advanced in their careers. Hmm. Yeah, so it's not just enough to us anymore to like, I want a baby. We want to make sure we're ready for the baby. And maybe that is a side effect of entering the job market in a recession. I like to call us the anxiety generation. <laughs> That's a really <laughs> apt title. <laughs> but yeah, so millennial parents, I'm just going to start saying perennials. That's a fucking cool word. Perennials are waiting until they feel ready to have children. And as a result of that, 99% of the 500 perennials surveyed said they enjoyed being parents. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, I think I read similar numbers. And those same numbers were saying that compared to previous ginger compared to previous generations, that was huge. It was new. Yeah. Overwhelmingly, people who have kids now feel that it's an enjoyable experience, whereas before, that wasn't the case. Right. Well, now people feel that way because those are the people who chose to have children and who chose when to have children. You know, when you allow people to make those choices, then they make the choice that's right for them. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> fancy, fancy. <laughs> I thought this was pretty cool too, and I did not know this. Millennial dads are more present than previous dads. So 40% of dads surveyed said they were either currently a stay-at-home dad or had done that in the past. That's 40%? 40%. That's a huge number. That's awesome. Yeah, and um, it's noted that this is a major socioeconomic shift, and employers, well, that's no surprise here in America, but American employers have not caught up with that at all because I don't think they're are any paternal benefits. Well, I'm sorry. I think there are extremely limited paternal benefits at most companies. Yep. If I want to take maternity leave, which of course, um, we have, what is it called? 
I will get paid 62.5% of my normal wage, which ironically means I'm going to be paid less than when I was a temp. Pretty pissed off about that. Um, but Colin doesn't have any option. He can take FMLA and get paid nothing if he wants to stay at home for any extended amount of time. And what frustrates me is the United States has a way higher C-section rate than other Mm -hmm. places. And it can vary as much as 7 to 70% just on the hospital that you choose. Jeez. Pretty freaking crazy. Um, So, I mean, there there are people that are working on that. And even the hospital that I picked has seen their numbers of C-sections dropping. So they're they're working on it. But it seems like unlike with C-sections where they're working on it, we're not working on paternal leave. No. And yeah, we have almost half of the millennial family pool with stay-at-home dads and there's just nothing for them really. And I I forgot to fact check this, but it is my understanding that in Canada there is one year leave for both parents. Man, that would be nice. For real. And but we love to suffer here. We really fucking do. Like any any benefits is coddling, you know? Yeah. And I also think this goes back to toxic masculinity. Like a real man should go straight to work and take care of his family. A real man shouldn't stay home. I don't know. That's what it seems like to me. And if your wife just had a major surgery, I think a real man should be able to take care of his family. Yeah. It shouldn't be like, okay, well, she just had major surgery and now she has to take care of an infant by herself. Yeah. No recovery time. That makes me um, fucking irate, Kelly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is one major shift that new families are showing. And this is also one of the reasons why brands that market to moms, we see that shit is really sexist and outdated now. And I just thought that's because we're more socially conscious. But yeah, that tends to be a direct effect of there's a lot more stay-at-home dads now. Hmm. So it's... It's kind of tacky to market to moms instead of just marketing toward parents. I like that. Yeah, and I one of these articles I read today, I don't know how much I agree with this point of view per se, but I did find it interesting. Um, there's a new movement of people, they're not using the term mom and dad, which implies two different jobs. They're just using co-parent and co-parent. That's too much work. I mean, I get you... I like Keep the fight sen- the good fight. I like the sentiment, but yeah, I don't like getting bogged down in semantics. No. But I thought it was an interesting sentiment. I think what bothers me about trying to change the term is that the idea that you still have a mom and a dad and they're just equals should be the same as my parents are co-parents. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can you imagine a baby being like, (laughs) co-parent? Oh, his first word. (laughs) It was co, because he couldn't get out the rest of parent. (laughs) Also, this is another biggie. This might be the biggie that separates perennials from parents of the past. I actually think this separates millennials from everyone in like every facet of our lives, but that's the internet. The internet has changed the way we parent because we have Google now and we have online forums and support groups. And this was even pointed out, like you can order diapers online. You can do all of your shopping online. It just makes it easier. And we have access to a wealth of knowledge. It's not limited to like old wives tales, or I like to use the expression, what Meemaw said. (laughs) We can find out facts and read studies. Something I'm really big on. Oh, wait, I already mentioned that. I like reading about how other countries tend to parent. Just because I like that perspective. 
I love my mom. I have a lot of respect for my mom. And I know that she did the best that she could with what she had at the time. I do not have a lot of respect for how she chose to parent. I just don't. So I can see why people today... And, okay, to reiterate, if our generation is so narcissistic and shitty and entitled and has no work ethic, maybe it's better that we learn other ways to parent. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah, if we're such assholes, is it our fault or is it the fault of the generation who raised us? Yeah, I... Okay, I never played sports, but I don't know a single five-year-old who went to the trophy store and asked for a participation trophy. Yeah. But I do know some parents who threw a tantrum because their kid sat on the sidelines and didn't get to play, even though their kid was the one who was the least able to play. You know what I mean? Yes, I remember that in extracurriculars. There was always drama, and it didn't stem from the children playing. It stemmed from their parents. Yep. So that's what bothers me. It's like, yeah, of course we don't want to hear your thoughts on parenting. We're just not impressed. I'm sorry. Yeah. And yeah, the children who play football because the parents want a child who is a football player. You know what I mean? Not because the kid wants to play football. I don't think we're really going to do that shit as much. I, oh my God, now that you mentioned that, I heard that with helicopter parents, there was a really big, I'm not going to be a helicopter parent. There was a big problem with referring to things that should be important to the child as we. I can't believe we didn't win the spelling bee. I can't believe we didn't win that game or we didn't get into that school. Yikes. Yep. So it becomes, this is our responsibility rather than your child, it takes away from their own ability to do and their own achievements. So, uh, quit that shit. Yeah, I I hesitate to call out my parents, but I remember entering contests or entering competition and not winning. You know, I lost. Someone else won, someone else did better. And my parents would get upset that I lost, you know, that I should have won and I didn't. And I... I should have, if if I didn't deserve to win, then I should have been able to understand that and be like, okay, I wasn't the best and here's why and this is how I can get better instead of being like, I should have won. Which yeah. Is, which is the attitude that was kind of fostered. Not, I don't think I'm that way, but you know. And I, I don't, and your, your parents, again, they were just doing the best that they could and they thought so highly of you. So it's like, you can appreciate all of that and still see the pitfalls. Yeah. Exactly. Something, okay, you all should listen to your Not So Smart podcast. They did an episode called We Are All Weird, but weird is an acronym, and it stands for Western Educated Industrialized Rich Democratic Countries. Hmm. The bulk of psychological studies and understanding comes from weird countries. And the problem with that is we think that these things that are cultural norms are actually human norms. Oh. Exactly. And one of the things is they gave a test to American kids. I may have mentioned this before. They gave a test to American kids and they gave a test to Japanese kids. And it was like a nonsense test. And they were told to study for it. And they made half the kids fail and half the kids succeed just regardless of whatever the stupid test was. And in America, the kids who succeeded studied harder, and the kids who failed gave up. In Japan, it was the opposite. The kids who did well studied a little bit less hard, and the kids who failed studied harder. And the the mentality behind it was the Japanese kids were like, oh, I'm not good at this. I need to study to be better at this. And the American kids were like, well, I have to hold on to my status because this is who I am. 
I think that our generation having exposure to things like that is probably going to be for the better because it's going to be okay to tell our kids, you're not good at that. That's fine. Try harder. Yeah. Learn more about it. You don't have to be the best. You can be just good enough at something, but you have to work if you're not good at it to be even just good enough. Yeah. I do. I think, um, I do think we are the anxiety generation. I do think we have a host of issues, but I also think we are the most self-aware generation because we have the internet and because we can see our peers and see like kind of gauge how people really are, you know, and I think that is going to result in future generations being awesome. Fingers crossed. Yeah. But I thought this was really cool at the end of this Winnie article. So apparently the children of millennials are already being called Generation Alpha and the oldest ones are starting kindergarten now. And here's some things or some predictions for Generation Alpha. So it appears that parents will be older. They will have more involved fathers. They're less likely to have a stay-at-home parent. Parents are less likely to be married or own a home. And parents will be informed about best practices for health and child rearing. Most of those things are really good. Yeah. So, yeah. Sweet. Well, the other thing in the vein of you saying that we're the most self-aware generation, I imagine a time down the road when little tiny baby Rachel Tillies um, start their own podcast and say that they have no respect for the way I chose to parent. And whatever, I don't care. That's totally normal. Yeah. I hope that they think that I'm shitty. That's progress, baby. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, do do it different. Do it better. Whatever. Man, this goes back to the well-manicured lawn, kind of. But something else I've noticed is that previous generations, like, they were really concerned about what people would say. And I, speaking for me and from what it seems, most of my friends online i really don't give a shit same if someone's like kelly's a whore her podcast sucks i hate her voice i would (laughs) i would be like do you man i don't know what to tell you we have 200 listeners we don't need you (laughs) like we're we're clearly for someone maybe that's the thing oh my god okay i've said this before and it totally goes true for parenting too um just because something is not right for you doesn't mean that it is not right for anyone it's just not right for you you dick yeah (laughs) and oh my god okay i have two things one i find colin to be 100 as capable as me in literally all regards both household and in what i imagine will be our child rearing setup i don't think of him in any way shape or form as inferior to me so these mentalities that Oh, if I send my husband to the grocery store, he's going to get the wrong pickles. Colin actually hates pickles. <laughs> so he would only know the pickles that I like. And at the end of the day, I would not give a shit if he came home with the wrong pickles. This would not be a life-altering moment. Oh my God, I wish I had the article on me, but that was brought up like, yeah, okay, he he buys the wrong food item. Does it fucking matter? No. But that was a study. So it was in... Ah, I can't remember the details. But basically, they interviewed mothers and fathers, in which case the mother felt there was not an equally shared responsibility. So, you know, instead of parenting 50-50, she's like, I'm doing all the work and the husband never helps. They looked at couples. I think 
in both situations where one parent or the other is the primary caretaker. And women were much more likely, they even used the phrase gatekeeping to gatekeep their husband's parenting. (laughs) So they would complain that the husband doesn't help, but then when he helps, why are you putting the baby to bed in that? Or why are you feeding him that? Or something. So the dad's just like, fuck it. And that was, I hate to say it, that was predominantly women. Only like 16% of men said they felt that. Man, yeah. that's crazy. I mean, I totally agree with it. You see it even no, in commercials. I'm sorry, I mixed that up. Only 16% of women said they felt that from their husbands, that he like gatekept their parenting style. That's something that women tend to do. Well, women in that situation tend to do, who are the primary child caretaker. So... Man, that's so stupid. Like, you're just making life harder for yourself. Exactly. And then you're complaining about it. That's a... Ugh. Barf. Yeah. My thing with Colin is, I I can see how he does most of the cooking and I do most of the cleaning because I'm just... I'm a more energetic person in general and Colin is a more patient person. So he tends to cook better than me and he tends to enjoy it more. So that's just how things break down for us. It's not that I don't know how to cook, but... It's just funny because women from other generations can't relate to that. Like the mentality that I think that Colin's going to change a diaper just fine. I think he's equally as capable and has just as many thumbs. So they they can't relate to if, oh, I will be pumping once. I mean, everybody says they're going to breastfeed and sometimes it doesn't work out. I say I'm going to pump. That's another thing. Don't shame moms who use formula. There's a ton of shit going on in anybody's life. Jesus Christ. But anyway, I, I, I can see how... Traditional women would see that as I'm not picking up my role in the house. I'm not doing what is expected of me. But the person that's, you know, my partner doesn't care. The people who are important to me in my life don't care. So why would I care about anyone else's opinions? Dude, I, this is another thing. People look at me like I have three heads when I talk about this. Yes, I am capable of feeding myself, but I hate cooking. I don't like doing it. And if if the day comes where I have a husband and or child, I will not be the chef of the household. And I always get the third degree about that. And I know that like hidden mentality is like, you're never going to find a husband. And I want to be like, here's the deal. He can do the cooking. I will take it up the ass. <laughs> <laughs> that seems fair. <laughs> Come on. I'm really giving in here. <laughs> Everybody's making a sacrifice somewhere. <laughs> And that that should be completely supported by people. That's I think that's what bothers me is like, whatever your setup is, someone's going to have something to say about it. And yeah. I refuse to participate in that shit. Yeah. If I see that you are being a straight up asshole to your kids, I will probably like tell Colin like, oh my God, that guy's being a real dick to his kids. We've seen it more than once out in the world. Everyone's seen it. Yeah. But outside of that, I don't care. Yeah. You want to have two dads? You want to have two dads adopt a kid? Cool. Yeah, we. there is a lot of parent shaming. And that shit is hard. I am an aunt. I love being an aunt. I don't know if I could ever be a parent. I'm undecided. But I know from being an aunt, that shit is really hard. It is exhausting. And it's a 24-7 job. Yeah. And everyone does it differently. Yeah, so get off our balls. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> oh, but yeah, so something something else that I have heard people say about millennials, we're going to have bad kids because we're afraid to give them an ass whooping, which is the solution to everything. 
for some people. But I read a study, it was by Casey Suglia on romper.com. Studies prove millennial parents are disciplining their kids less than their parents. So I was surprised to read that 74% of millennials do believe that, quote unquote, a hard spanking is sometimes necessary to discipline a child. 74%? Yes, 74% of that is completely contrary to the data. I know. Well, according to this particular study, 74% of millennials do agree that sometimes a spanking is necessary. However, they are doing it less. So I don't, I, so maybe they are spanking for like major infractions instead of every little stupid thing your kid does. The trend is that millennial parents discipline their kids less and millennial parents are more likely to reinforce positive behavior rather than punish negative behavior. And I was saying this to Rachel earlier, Um, my brother's kids are fantastic. They are seriously like the most polite, well-behaved, sweetest children ever. And I have never seen him discipline them. He's, Never really had to, other than an occasional scolding, you know? But I've they really don't have to go sit in timeout. I've never seen them get spanked. And they're great kids. Everything that I've read basically makes it seem as though you have to understand that children are children. They don't know the rules. So you have right. to keep the rules consistent. And the best way to make them respect you and to make them want to follow the rules is to show them a mutual level of respect, which is if they ask you, why does this matter? Explain to them like, oh, it matters because like, why can't I play outside? And then, you know, why can't I play in the street? Because you might get hit by a car and it will kill you. And then you will be gone forever. I don't know how, I don't know how dark you're supposed to go with your kids, but. Well, children don't understand consequences like that. They don't understand that bad things can happen to me. You have to teach them that. Exactly. So we're from the generation of because I said so. Because if you don't, I'll bait your ass. Exactly. When really it's because I don't want you to get hurt. Right. And I think that maybe our generation is a little bit more patient. And yeah, maybe being like, I need you to play quietly or go color or get out of my asshole for 10 seconds because I've had a hard day and I'm exhausted and I need me time. Have that conversation, you know? Yeah. Instead of just being like, I'll beat your ass to everything. I've seen it. I've, I'll, I'm going to count to three. Yeah. With, I've seen that With too. no explanation given. French parents, they don't understand the concept of disciplining their kid. They call it educating them. And that makes way more sense to me because that's your goal. Your goal is not to have your kid respect you as an authoritarian. Your goal is to have your kid respect the rules. Right. So I don't really see the need for a baby to look at me with fear and anxiety. I would rather, I would rather see them not put their hand on the hot stove. It's kind of a, which came first, the chicken or the egg thing. Were we just more stubborn as a generation? I think that kids tend to naturally just be curious. So it's hard for me to argue that. I don't think so. I I think that for the most part, children are a product of their environment. And if, I don't think that spanking teaches. I agree. I don't so either. So your kid is not going to behave better if spanking is the go-to punishment because they're not really going to understand why what they did is wrong. All they know is... I do think I get hit. There's no concept of right and wrong there. And the data shows that it causes them to have lower IQs. Which makes sense because they're not having to rationalize. Like, I shouldn't do this because all they know is if I get caught doing thing, I get hit. That's, there's no critical thinking there. Right. And my mom wasn't even big on spanking. She was really big on screaming. So, Oh, God, yes. 
to this day, I can't handle screaming. It gives me horrible, it fills me with anxiety, like panic attack level anxiety. I can't do it. That's a trigger for me too. I, I can't handle it either. Um, If voices start going up in volume, I'm out. Same. But so I, I can see how maybe our generation remembers these things and yeah. it's like, Turns out these are horrifying. Yes. If if I ever do have children, I will not be a spanker. And maybe that's something everyone says. And then, yeah, as a parent, you're exhausted, you're frustrated, your kid's an asshole. So it would be really tempting to spank them, but I don't think it's the best thing to do. Hey, fun fact, this is going to be our Mother's Day episode. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> what timing? I didn't even think about that until just now. We have a ton of respect for parents and we recognize that everyone's making struggles and everyone was literally doing the best that they could with what they had available to them. And if your parents didn't know any better, then, I mean, for my mom, she was hit for everything in her house. Yeah, Meemaw said, all you need is an ass whooping. Exactly. So for mom, a step above was, and she said this to me and I was like, I don't think that's actually true, mama. <laughs> she said... You're either going to be a screamer or a hitter. Oh, God. And I was like, I don't think so. I think there's a third option that you're missing out on here. Just like my grandmother said, if you have to pick between a man who's going to beat you or a man who's going to um, mess with you emotionally, pick the man that beats you. And I'm like, or don't pick oh either God. of those. Exactly. So let's just talk about progress. Like recognizing the, or I could do this other thing. That's progress. I feel like these old school attitudes, they just assume that life is a series of whoopsies and there's no choice, you know? Life just happens to you. Yeah. Fuck that shit. In the ass. But okay, I understand my limitations. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, hey, I'm pretty selfish right now. I don't want to have kids because I'd be a bad parent. I kind of feel the way about myself. I mean, I'm sure if it happened, I would step up to the challenge and do the best job that I could. You'd be a great parent. But I, I'm i not ready. I don't feel ready. So I, I feel like if I had kids now for whatever reason, it would probably be doing that child a disservice because I could be a better parent to them if I waited. Does that make sense? It does. And... Let's just say hypothetically, you settle down when you're 45. Just whatever, hypothetically. There's more than one road to parenthood if that's what you decided was important to you. You could foster kids. That's true. Or and adopt. Or adopt, exactly. There's, we have this, maybe that's what millennials are doing. We're just saying there's more than one way to have what you want. There's more than one way to be successful if these are your goals. And so maybe we're not the bucking traditions maybe we're the or generation um pick physical or emotional abuse or <laughs> yeah that's true scream or hit or, or <laughs> just do something else that's a really good point and very true and furthermore this is more of a rant i didn't look up a damn thing about this <laughs> someone asked me they were like are you gonna keep doing the podcast after you have the baby and I was telling Kelly, like, I will breastfeed and record. I don't care. And I think that that's a lot of millennials now. Oh, and Colin already said, like, yeah, I'll watch the baby. I want you to do. He wants to support me having the best and most true to my own nature life experience possible. And I feel the exact same way about him. So I'm going to support him in whatever he needs. And he's going to support me in whatever I need. He tends to be more of a homebody. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't need time for himself. So I'm going to be supportive in that arena when it comes to parenting. I need to go out with Kelly sometimes and 
whatever. And I need me time too. And my me time might be leaving the house. Yeah. Whereas his isn't. So it's just be fucking supportive. And it's you can still have all your cool hobbies. You can still live the life that you want to live. You just have to find a way to make it work. That is a really dangerous attitude. And I would say it's outdated, but I have actually heard my peers express this too, that like your life ends when the baby comes. You know, your hobbies are no longer your hobbies. Everything is about the baby. And I think that's very unhealthy to you and the baby. I agree wholeheartedly. That's the same reason that like when people ask me, are you going to come back to work? You're not going to want to come back to work. I need adult interaction, even if I fucking hate my job. Yeah. And speaking of entitled, I mean, do you want your baby or your child to grow up thinking like this other human being exists solely to care for and entertain me? Exactly. And like, if I, if I have a little girl, I don't want her to think that just because she became a mom, she doesn't still get to be her own person. Yeah. Like my parents had me so that I could live a life, you know, to my liking. And they told me, you know, you need to do what you need to do to have the best life you can have. So why would I take that and then be like, okay, I'm done once I have this baby, my life is over, and then their life begins. Yeah. That's not, you should teach them that you're part of a whole person, one facet of which is being a mother. And another aside, that that was a common thing among movies in the 20s, I think, or maybe I'd have to Google it. Ugh. Whatever the golden age of cinema was, women were seen as multifaceted characters. They had interests and they would go take those interests and you would see them jetting from place to place and also taking care of their child. Whereas now a lot of movies you see moms as, you know, the crow that stays in the house. Yeah, the mom. She never leaves the house. She is the mom. That is her. She drives the minivan. She... It ignores the fact that you don't stop being a multifaceted person just because you chose to have a child. And I feel like if you do, if you do, then like, I don't know, that that can't be... Maybe you do that and you are very happy and that's the life you chose and wanted. I just don't see that happening. I don't either. I don't see it. But maybe I just don't understand. Yeah. And it's probably one of those things that for some people... I mean, some people are just inherently more nurturing than others. That is very true. Like, I'm a nurturing person, but to a, a limit. Like, I have to have my own identity yeah. and my own hobbies and interests, and I will continue to maintain those things. So I this idea that n nurturing becomes your only role, some people were set up for that in the first place. I am not. That's true. Maybe this is just from a lack of understanding because, yeah, there are people who are very nurturing and that's where they derive joy. I'm not really that person. Like, yeah, I'm nurturing to a degree, but I think about this on the reg when I'm thinking about having children. If my cat is meowing too much, <laughs> I can't take it. <laughs> I'm Damn like, you Columbus. Yes, exactly. Columbus, that is enough. I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> he is a meower. Yeah, he's a talkative cat. I know. Goofball and a licker. Here's a fun fact about cats. Um, Columbus is a prime example. A lot of cats have the most annoying meow physically possible intentionally because they have like experimented with this their entire lives until they find the meow that gets a response. <laughs> <laughs> and Columbus's 
meow is like this super whiny, drawn out, oh. dramatic meow. I can't stand it. I love my cat though. I, I you can't help but love Columbus because he's a goofy ass. But yeah, every time I'm just like, if this fucking cat meows again, I always think I should probably never have children. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Funny story about Columbus. Kelly, the Kelly and I found these cats at Waffle House, right? Well, yeah. the, the waitress was like, I have these cats and I need to find homes for them. So we took all of them. <laughs> and Kelly was thinking about keeping one of them and she picked Columbus. And I was like, please don't pick that cat. That is the most annoying fucking cat. And she, did. she picked him. She did. She warned me. And I was like, oh, this cat really needs a home. I know. <laughs> it just endeared Kelly further. That's her nurturing nature. She was like, no one's going to want this asshole. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> cat is a real... I was like, he licks you nonstop and he doesn't stop meowing. Both of those things are still true 11 years later. But he is also the absolute sweetest. Yeah. He will let you hold him however and he won't react. Yeah, he's he's a big teddy bear. He's also gigantic. He weighs 18 pounds. <laughs> 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 but yeah, um, that's my cat story. <laughs> the dogs don't really... I can't think of anything that they do that's super... Sometimes they get directly in my face. Or, oh my god, they live their life through their nose. So if you have any... If you're taking anything out of the pack, Layla is a Great Dane, so she will put her face on your hands. Like, you're trying to open something, she's like, what is it? That's funny. It is, but it's also like, god, give me a second, Layla. <laughs> you have to let her inspect anything that enters the house. That's cute. It might or might not be snacks, and she has to know. What's your, what's your takeaway, KP? My takeaway is that millennials get a bad rap for a lot of stuff but i don't think we're that bad and i think we're going to make really awesome parents and i think rachel's going to be a great mom i'm gonna do my best and they're still gonna hate it and i've embraced that (laughs) maybe that's the self-awareness benefit it's like i'm gonna be my definition of a good mom and they're still gonna think i'm a shitty ass so i wonder i i don't know maybe i'm wrong but most millennial parents I've talked to have been like, oh yeah, kids are frequently assholes. And you understand that my kid is an asshole because it's a kid instead of being like, perfect little angels, you know? <laughs> Dude, absolutely. If, it really yeah. takes the edge off. Maybe yeah. that's the difference. Oh, we're not trying to keep up with our neighbors anymore, so we don't have the same pressures. It really... Yeah, one of these articles did actually say we feel less pressure. We actively reject the pressure of older generations. Yes! Yes. I've got enough anxiety for one lifetime already. I mean, you only get one childhood and you spend the rest of your life remembering it. Yeah, wow. That's deep. It's terrifying because you have to provide that childhood for a person. But at the same time, they're going to remember it however they choose to remember it. And I can only do my best. So that's just what I'm going to do. Whatever. Whatever. Nice. Then they're going to start a podcast and they're going to call me an asshole. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> you're you right. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you're totally right, baby. I just can't even. I did my best. I guess my takeaway is if you don't want to have kids, that's cool. If you do want to have kids, that's cool. Everything is completely nuanced and we would all be better off to take a moment to empathize with what someone's struggle or interest may or may not be. 
and stop being evangelists for whatever your choice is. That is true. I do have to say I don't identify as child-free because I am still on the fence, but I do think the child-free movement can be very obnoxious, even though I understand where they're coming from. But I do agree that they tend to shame people who choose to have children for making that choice. And that's really rude. Yeah. And it's also ignorant because 99% of parents, well, 99% of perennials are happy to be parents. So they're clearly making the right choice for them. Yeah, exactly. And another, this, I, we didn't mention this, but one of my takeaways from reading, just because you don't want to have a certain experience does not mean that your choice is superior to anyone else's. And that's, it's true. That's kind of what bothers me is the the mentality that I chose to have kids. Everyone should choose to have kids. I didn't feel love before this moment is the same as how can you put up with something that just shits everywhere and is <laughs> disgusting and yeah. kids are absolutely repulsive. It's like, yes, but that's a really brief part of their life. There's, a, there's a happy medium somewhere. Yeah. Like if your main focus is on how much they are or not shitting, <laughs> I think you're missing the bigger picture. Like, whatever. That's funny. So, yeah. Just be supportive of one another for the love of God. How many times? That's the moral of so many episodes here. Yeah. Stop thinking you're better than everybody else just because you chose differently. You shitty shitbags. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, if I see one more meme that's like, you know, it's better than the laughter of children sleeping in until 11. Yeah. So you can still be cool and be a parent. You can still have hobbies and be a parent. You can still have hobbies and, okay, this is not a takeaway. This is one more rant. I know plenty of boring motherfuckers who come home every day and just watch TV and don't have kids. Dude, yeah, that is a great counterpoint to these people who are just like, fuck having kids. That's not cool. Neither is Netflix. Netflix is not a hobby. Pizza is not a hobby. People, I swear to God, I know people who substitute pizza and Netflix for having a fucking personality. That shit is not cool either. No, it isn't. So I don't know why you got a superiority complex about your boring ass life. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, well, I guess that about sums it up for me. Yeah, I think we did good work here today. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Last thing, because I wrote it down and then I never said it. I know plenty of people who are parents who still have stylish houses. That's one of the things that people are like, oh, I just can't live in a place where, you know, you have kid toys everywhere and it's just so, you can still have a stylish house and have kids. I am a clumsy person by nature, so I totally relate to making things kid-friendly um, because I am a bull in a china shop. It's something I have, okay, this is one last thing I'll say, and there's really no point to it, it's just something I've noticed, is that kids get stuff bombed. They get bags and bags of stuff stuff all the time and that fills houses up with clutter and clutter is something that adds to my anxiety so i i try with my niece and nephews it's pretty much impossible to never give kids stuff but i try to give them consumables you know like treats or coloring books or whatever stuff they can use up because yeah holy shit those kids get so much plastic yeah and you either have to uh, periodically purge or it just piles up. I think that we're just going to have to institute an annual toy donation. Yes. And I think that... We've started doing would... that too with, with my brother's kids, a toy purge. 
But a lot of people don't do that. You know, their kid's like four years old and there's baby toys laying everywhere. Well, if you like us, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, if you have a topic idea or any feedback, let us know, southernhells at gmail.com. Also, we haven't plugged this in a while. You can email us individually. I'm Kelly with an I, Kelly at southernhells.com. And I'm Rachel at southernhells.com. Yeah, so talk to us. Yeah, well, see you bye. See you next Thursday. Come on, y'all.